It's all time. Let's go. Big dubs. Big dubs. Big dubs. Oh, my heart. I got nothing to say, man. It is crazy. The CFL is crazy. Yeah! You know what time it is? Yeah, boy! A win is a win. No matter how ugly it is, a win is a win. That's right, it is another edition of The Waggle after a classic CFL week. We're going to spend a little bit more time than usual looking back and recapping those games because they're worth it. But we will also preview a big week in the CFL as we are coming down the stretch. And down the stretch, who is playing better football right now than the Hamilton Tiger Cats? A couple teams maybe. Maybe we'll try and power rank who's playing the best, but we will catch up with one of the members of that team who's been pretty consistent, whether they're, they were up or down, that is Tim White. But first, you know, why don't we look back at some wild games from week 15 in the CFL, those Elks, those Ticats back in the playoff hunt. Uh, and, and also at some point we're going to need to get your dog of the week. Mm-hmm. Could, at some point. could it be a tiger cat again? Is that possible? I don't know if I can do that. Back to back weeks, <laughs> but I'm being fair. We'll see. We'll see. Stick around and you'll find out. Okay, well, while you're sticking around, just listen, but also actively listen. Remember, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CFL.ca, and YouTube is where you can find our clips. So wherever you're listening to podcasts, subscribe. And on your social platforms, make sure you're following or on YouTube subscribing as well. And we need a CFL Classic Recap of the games uh, this week. I would watch those games over and over because as you know, in the CFL, no lead is safe. And that was the case for the Lions. We're down 16 with not two and a half quarters left to play. Two and a half minutes left to play. They come back. Lucky Whitehead with the TD with 17 seconds left. Then runs into the stands to give that winning TD ball to his mom. I love the game. I love the comeback. Sadly, we're having the same conversation about the Ottawa Red Blacks, the other team that came. And Producer Pete, can you just essentially take a snippet of what we said about the Ottawa Red Blacks for the last five, six, seven weeks, and just drop that in here and play that so we don't have to have this conversation again? Because <laughs> essentially, it's the exact same conversation. You, you, all we have to do is change the opposition. So we could just dub it. What... I can't believe Ottawa blew a lead to the Lions because, once again, they were up big against the Lions because it's the same conversation every week. <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, they, they had a couple of weeks. They had a couple of weeks where they were really looking pretty dangerous. And then, you know, the sad part is a lot of the games that they're losing, DB, are all close games. Yes. They're all close games. So something is not clicking fully over there They're, and they need something something needs to change for them to go over the hump but uh, for whatever reason they seem to having the same the, they seem to be having the same result after every single game. it doesn't matter who it is lucky whitehead runs into stands gives the ball to his mama which you should do there's a couple kids who are like oh he's giving it to me no i'm not i'm going right past you giving it to mom dukes if you could give a ball to someone in the stands anybody like we're excluding family, anybody, celebrity, fictional character, who do you want to deliver that ball to? Man, that's that's a, that's a really, 
Really good question because really random question. Yes, it's, yes, it's, it is. It's definitely random, but it's a good question because it makes you think, right? I mean, if you were to ask me, you didn't exclude the people you know. I would say my wife. I would say my daughters, which I have done. In stance? Definitely, I have. It's like a bucket list thing. Well, your dad's normally in a suite, so you throw it up to him? No, my dad used to have it before, you know, I got married, before I got kids. That was my dad. Then after, he, he kind of had to expect. He's me. dropped in the power rankings? Yes, he's definitely dropped. And then, you know, my wife got a few, you know, footballs, and then she was like, ah, you know what, this is getting kind of boring. Then the girls got them. I have a crazy story I gotta tell you. Okay, come on. It was a game I'm playing. I get an interception. I tell I told my wife, once I get an interception, you need to come down. At this point, though, she just got given birth to our second. Second was really little. She couldn't come to the front. So I'm like, oh, don't worry, you don't have to move. She was in the middle. I come right there. She was maybe fifth or sixth row. I throw it. It was windy. Kind of tilted. The ball landed just a row before her. And somebody took it. And took it and just went. But I didn't know. I'm thinking, you're just going to give it to. They're, you just, can, they're just catching it for her. They're catching it, it for her. her. You recognize. You see, they're all wearing number 10 Muama jerseys. Sure enough, I go. It wasn't until the end of the game I hear from my wife that she was going at it with some other fans. Oh, no. Because they didn't want to give it. Anyways, I won't go in details as far as, like, who it was. and What, where. what stadium are we at? This is BMO. Oh, no. This happened oh, in the last no. two years. But anyways, back to your question. But when you ask that question, that's the first thing that comes to mind with giving a fool. I would give it to a fictional character. Oh, okay. A superhero. Okay. I'll actually go with The Flash. Because, there's a why. Uh, faster than the speed of light, and then you go into time traveling, that TD will be heard all throughout time. That's the reason. That's exactly what I'm going to give it to. I want to hear who you're going to give it to. I, I'm still trying to follow. <laughs> uh, did you understand that? Pete? What do you mean? I, I didn't get much of it. Uh, <laughs> you give how, it to the Flash. The Flash runs faster than the speed of light. He goes back in time, and everyone hears about the TD and the echoes of how impactful that touchdown was. That's just me. I, mean, I, I don't know if that was deep or, <laughs> or dumb. I'm not sure. It was as random as the question was. Yeah, okay. That's true. I mean, like, based off of that rationale, I'm going to give the ball to Jesus Christ. Hey, oh, J there we hey, go. Hey, JC, <laughs> in, the, in, in row two, here you go, my man. Uh, you know, I thought you were going to give it to Brosie or something. No. No, no. not the commission? No, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to give the ball to my haters. Oh, I, anyone who's doubted me at some point, hated me, didn't recruit me. I hope you are in the stands. I'm just going to give it to you. I'm going to thank you. Thank you for putting that little battery in my back. Here, hold this. Hold this L while I go back to work. That's who I'd give my. That's pretty good one. I mean, I, I, I'm not petty or anything, but that's who I'd give my. Well, you are petty when it comes to picking anybody but your Toronto Argonauts, but worked out in your favor, although closer than maybe you thought. The Argos won by three. You're out here last week talking about the fact that you're going to win by 10 or more. Was not the case. But a win is a win is a win. And if we are going to ride teams who find ways to lose, we have to give respect to a team that finds ways to win. All you guys have done is win. You haven't lost the game when Chad Kelly was still standing on two good feet at the end of the game this year. If you want to go back to the Great Cup, it's, it's been uh, longer than a year. The next best start, Toronto Argonauts have had was when they were 10-1 and 1 
1997. You know what that team went on to do? Don't say it. They won the Great Cup. Oh. No, no pressure or anything. I'm just letting you know. We asked if the Argos could really continue this streak and keep this high-level play. The question is clear at this point. We also asked if the Alouettes were for real or if we didn't believe them, they need more people. Well, they had a tough schedule at Winnipeg, hosting BC, at Toronto, host Toronto. We said maybe 3-1, and 2-2. Two two. They were 0 oh, and four. Now all of a sudden, look around. They're tied with Hamilton for second in the East. Is it gut check time for the Alouettes? Do we need to reassess where they've been? Because they've been in purgatory. We thought Hamilton and Ottawa were bad. We knew Toronto was good. Montreal was just in that murky middle. We're not too hot, not too cold, just right. They're getting cold at the wrong time. Are you concerned about the Owls? I'm absolutely concerned, DB. I'm absolutely concerned because, to me, it's beyond just the players. No, the talent is there. The talent is there. They brought the talent to the field. And to me, it's, again, I think we talked about it last year. There was a lot of changes from coaching staff perspective. Carl Jones leaving, new coaches coming, GM coaching, GM stepping down. You bring in a new head coach. I think it's a structural issue. I believe it's a foundational thing because... You need to start to establish a culture in that locker room, in that city, really on that team. And I don't know if they've been able to do that just yet. I mean, on defense, they've they've been losing guys left, right, and center. They've lost the heart of their team. Um, uh, from the uh, from linebacking perspective, they just had to bring a whole new linebacker to kind of really be the leader. And I actually saw Sankey in that game kind of rally the troops and kind of keep guys down. And I'm thinking to myself, he's the best he player. just got here yesterday. Yeah. You know what? That that shouldn't it shouldn't be like that. If you're thinking about a team that's make trying to make a run for the playoffs and trying to go and win a championship, these are certain some of the things that need to had to have been established before preseason started. And so to me, it's a structural issue that they need to address ASAP if they want to get a chance to get into the big dance. So the playoff picture in the East starting to get real clear because your Argos not only clinched a playoff spot, not only clinched a home playoff game, you have clinched home field in the Eastern Conference Final, which means a couple things. Argos fans, you don't have an excuse. You have two months. Get your tickets and get there. Marketing department, let's go. It should be a massive crowd in BMO because we know exactly where it's going to be and when it's going to happen. We just don't know who you're going to play. The other aspect is when you get there, you want to make sure you know who's going to be playing, and that is your best on offense, defense, and special teams. How do you handle the rest of the regular season? How do you suspect the team will handle the rest of the regular season? Because you want to be peaking at the right time, which is why you won last year. But at the same time, you want to be healthy. You've earned the right to rest some guys, to take your time. But also, you're playing for history. Could this be the best Argos regular season ever? You are playing, some people incentives, you're playing for contract money. <laughs> but you're also, like, let's be honest, some guys are going to be up for some awards. That's you, right. No matter what happens in the last regular, their last playoff game in the East, there's going to be some members of your team in Hamilton for the Grey Cup wearing a tuxedo. 
because they're going to be up for potential awards. Maybe we'll preview who we think should be the, the leaders in the various awards you gotta do that. Uh, later. But the Argos are going to be part of the conversation given how well the team has done. When you have team success, individual success comes with it. How do you handle the rest of the regular season? Listen, first of all, this is just speculation in my opinion because clearly I'm not calling the shots. But I know, speaking with Coach Mace uh, and a lot of the guys in the locker room as well, I've never been a part of anything like it. Mm -hmm. I mean, 12 years of pro football, never been able to clinch the whole division this early. I mean, September. Listen, don't even know what to do. So a lot of the coaches are also trying to figure things out. The Blue out. Jays haven't even clinched it. <laughs> Everybody's trying to figure things out. But in my opinion, uh, I'm talking to some of the guys, right? And this happened last year, too, where we clinched a little bit later. Some receivers, which who will remain nameless, but me, um, with regards to the experience that I've had, I tell them, look, if I were the GM, I'm shutting you down. I'm shutting you down, too. I'm shutting you down for probably two games. You come back for one just to keep you active. But a lot of the guys in that locker room really want to play, really want to still continue to really demonstrate what they're capable of doing. And um, that's the mentality in the locker room. But I'm sure 100% the coaching staff is a little bit different because that's that. It's, that's, it's one of those situations, quote unquote, where it's a good problem to have, right? But at the same time, it is going to be challenging because at the same time, if anything happens to anybody, the first thing that people are going to say, dang he should have been sitting. He should have sat off. He didn't even need to play. Uh, but that risk, in all honesty and truthfully, you know, is in play every single game day. So it's going to be interesting to see. There's, I don't, I don't think there's a wrong way to go about it as long as everybody is still in shape when the time comes. So my thoughts on this have changed over the years. Cause remember there was this conversation with the Indianapolis Colts when they're really good under Tony Dungy. Jim Caldwell, they were wrapping things up in the AFC relatively early, but they could still push for some you know, team records in terms of wins and whatnot. But the ultimate goal was Super Bowl, and the question was, rust versus rust, what do you do? And at the time, when I was much closer to still being a player, I said, you got to let them play. I said, that's why you lift all them weights. That's why you run those stairs. You don't do it to not play. You do it because you want to dominate. And if you're going to preach that every snap matters and every game matters and we're trying to go 1-0 every week, well, you have to keep the same energy. But now I'm far removed from being a player. <laughs> and now I look you at the big the picture. GM and a coach, I huh? definitely do. And, and I say to myself, I want to, I want to masquerade competitiveness. I want to sprinkle it in there a little bit. I want to say that we want to win and we want to dominate. We're going to dress everybody. But if you're close, if you're on the edge, if it's a game time decision, I'm going to tell you it's game time. And I'm going to have you work out before, but I know damn well you're not playing if you are a starter. And if you're dressing and you're up, we're going to compete. But I'm going to make sure that our subs get in in sub packages early and often, and we're going to spread the ball around. Hey, Chad Kelly, you might get some reps, but you know what I'm not doing? I'm not playing a full game. Oh, well, I'm not doing a QB sneak. Oh, yeah. I'm not doing a QB draw. Oh, yeah. I'm not doing anything that's going to put you in harm. Max protect all day. <laughs> and the difficulty about that is this game is hard enough as is. Mm -hmm. When you start to choose to play it left-handed, don't open up the entire play sheet, don't do everything, my fear is that's when guys get hurt. Because when you're essentially having people teeing off on you because you're not doing everything to keep the – 
other team honest and have the checks and balances. I, I also do believe, DB, that this is one of those situations, and the good in this challenging situation is the fact that you get to develop depth. The reality of the situation is this. We're on our way to our second Grey Cup back-to-back. -back. We're on our way, and that's the truth. That's the reality. We just won one. What usually happens when you win championships? Guess what? You start to shine, and you start to look really, really appealing to other teams as well. The truth is it's going to be hard for the front office to keep everybody in that locker room. That's the truth, and that's the reality of the situation. Right now, focus on depth. That's me. That's how I think, too. See, he's already made the transition to GM as well. He's thinking about depth and thinking about losing people with contracts. I was going to say, when you were saying what happens uh, when you win the Great Cup, I thought you were going to say, well, you do a tour with the multiple trophies that you have, and you go on a CP24 and all these other stations, <laughs> and then you show up courtside at the Raptors game, and then you dap up Drake. I thought you were going to tell us what you did when you won the Great Cup, because uh, I think you're still on tour with the Great Cup right now. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the Argos do quickly. The ideal Eastern Conference Finals matchup for the Argonauts is whom? Man, you know what? Who do you want? Who do you want to see? I have no preference. No, please. I really don't. That's not true. I, I, I truly don't. Oh, but in my heart of hearts, in my blue heart of hearts, I want to see the Tiger Cats lose in the playoffs. Whether it's in the first round or in the second round, Kind of want to see. I want to have a. I want to have a role to play in that. I want to see the Argos beating the Tight Cats. And so, maybe it's a long shot. But if you were to ask me, that's what I would have to answer. I think what you just described is called a preference. I think that's like. <laughs> it really definition. isn't. I'm telling you right now, it really isn't. But it's really what I want to see. Well, what we've seen is the Tight Cats playing giant killer back to back weeks. They beat Winnipeg at home. In week 15, uh, so be careful what you wish for because, as we said off the top, they're playing really good football. Specifically, their defense was held to Winnipeg to seven points in the second half. It intercepted Zach Claros three times. If your boy Chad Kelly ends up winning the MOP, he's getting assist from the Hamilton Tigers, who, again, are now tied with Montreal for second in the East at six and seven. Although Montreal does have the tiebreaker, but... Powell's playing really well at quarterback. If and when Bo Levi Mitchell comes back, as we're talking about hypotheticals going down the stretch, what happens? Do you ride the hot hand or do you bring in the guy that you brought in on big money? That's a good question. It's a great question. And thank you. Can you to me, I think you gotta let you gotta let Bo play. Mm -hmm. You brought him here for a reason. I'm not just gonna let you sit there. I'm putting you in with a short leash. That's what I'm doing. Oh, okay. I'm putting you in with a short leash. And if you're capable of showing me the reason why we brought you here, why we got rid of people so we can make space and make room for you to come here, if you can show me that in a little bit of a amount of time that I'm going to give you, then I'm, I'm, I'm going to ride the wave and let you keep going. But if you're not doing, pal, you're coming right back up. So I'm a firm believer that you don't lose your job due to injury unless... You weren't playing that well when you got injured. And he was not playing that well when he got injured. Although, I don't know if Powell has played well enough Very fair. to st steal his job from him. I suppose it's a good problem to have, but 
I, I would need to see Powell be the reason why they win for him to keep that job. He has not been the reason why they lose, but that defense for me has been the reason why they win. I, I just think as much as we can watch the film and see who the better player has been on film this year, it's been Powell. But that's not how human behavior works. You give someone a lot of money, you put them on the side of your building, you promote them, they're a future Hall of Famer. It's really tough to tell them when they're healthy, how about you just stand over here and hold this clipboard in sharp place? And, 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 Bo, and Bo's defense, and, and Bo's defense, he also got hurt really early in the season on a new team that he was still trying to get acclimated with, comes back, really led the team to a, a win, a rare win at the time. Did he lead them to that win, or was uh, he He there? was the guy at the helm at the time. He did enough to get them the win and got hurt again just when he was just about to figure things out with his team. So to me, you got to put him back. That's, that's my thought. So there's no question Edmonton, who the leader of that team is from no, a quarterback sir. perspective. It's Trey Ford, 173 yards passing, 70 rushing, two touchdowns. Elks with another huge road win, this time over the Riders, who had previously won three straight at home. But word on the street is Trey Ford's performance is not enough to get him your dog of the week. Gotta get a yeah, dog! Yeah! It was a great performance, but this is this this guy. Dog of the week this week, DB. Dog of the week this week. It goes. To, you talk about Trey Ford. Trey Ford. This is the thing. This guy allows Trey Ford to still be Trey Ford. He allow now. Look, Trey Ford doesn't need, need too much. He sometimes doesn't even need an all line in order to be impactful. But Kevin Brown. To me, is a guy that allows Trey Ford to be who he is and allows that offense to stay to remain balanced. And he's a guy that's been making some noise every now and then. You you watch a game, and else even when they were on those those losing streaks, he was still out there working hard, doing the best that he could, and being extremely impactful. He's a guy that you got to keep an eye on. He's got good strength. He's got good speed. And if you give him on that, and you allow him. He's gonna break away and he's gonna be hard to get uh, to catch to catch. But this is a gentleman who can run the ball, who is physical at that, breaks tackles, 175 yards rushing. You can't beat that, and a touchdown on top of that. I mean, he performed extremely well for that offense. On top of that, quietly a thousand yards this season, DB. And so for me, dog of the week this week, Kevin Brown. Satina was behind a lot early so to start the year he wasn't getting as many carries as you think he might he might be the only player in the league that's as fast as his quarterback is straight Come on i would love to see them in a 40-yard dash it'll be interesting it'll be interesting to see who wins let's see if we can make that happen so the edmonton elks are a fascinating conversation because when you look at the record they are one of the worst teams in the CFL. But when you look at the tape right now, you can make the argument they are one of the best teams in the CFL because of what Kevin Brown and Trey Ford have done for that offense. So, Jarius Jackson. Yeah, that's, that's true. True say. True say. Good point by you. So, why don't we start at the top where there will be some consensus? 
and work our way down and do this exercise and, and do it at home with us. You might want to throw shots at what we say, but try to do this exercise yourself. Tweet at us, hit us up in the comments, let us know what your power rankings are because we do this at the CFL every week and every week there are essentially eight fan bases that are upset. So we'll try and do this. And I have to say, for future, you can save the upset comments uh, from us, myself, and Enoch, because we have nothing to do with the CFL's power rankings. But it's a tough job. We are going to endeavor to do it one time and one time only. So let's start at the top. Obviously, the Toronto Argonauts. All right, so let's start at two then. Okay, let's start at two. (laughs) Unanimous. Let's start at two. I have the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in my number two spot. Who you got? I debated, DB. Okay. I and? debated. And I actually put the BC Lions. Wow. Okay. Because? I put the BC Lions because I like what I'm seeing for them. I like the adversity that they continue to rise above. And I don't know, man. When I look at the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, I see, I feel like too many hiccups for me to place in my number two. That's the simplest way that I could put it. Especially when you look at the offense that they have. Of course, they have the weapons. It's been well-documented. And I don't know about Zach and where he's going with the ball sometimes. They just seem to be missing a beat, missing a step, and not on the same page far too often for me. And I was very much debating, are they two? Are they three? And I ended up with BC number two. The last time they played BC, they won by 36 points. That's right. Winnipeg, I believe, gets bored. And they play with their food. And then eventually you annoy them and they set things straight. BC beat them in the first matchup. Beat them badly. Beat them badly. By 24. And then Winnipeg came back and rectified things. You look throughout the year. Who did they lose to? They lost to Ottawa Mm -hmm. by three. Yeah. They lost to Saskatchewan Mm -hmm. by two. You know what happened? They came back and they beat them 51 to six. That's fine. They still lost. But then they beat them 51-6. to But six. then they beat them. That's right. They recently lost to the Hamilton Tiger Cats mm. by six. Hamilton was playing much better. They don't play Hamilton again, so they don't have the ability to take it out on Hamilton. Maybe they'll take it out on your Toronto Argonauts when you face them on September 29th. But BC, when they are motivated, is still, for me, the second-best team in the league. That's why I got them at two. But we, this is good. We already have... Uh, some Wait, you had BC at two or BC at three? You had BC Sorry, at three. Winnipeg, when motivated, right. okay. uh, is still the best, uh, second best team in the league. Yeah, I, I want to see the, the rubber match. I want to Bet- see between who? The BC Lions. Yeah, you'll see it. You'll see it at the end of November. We definitely when the Western Conference. Right final. now, I feel like BC is going to take it. Well, I have Winnipeg at two. You have BC at two. It is safe to say, assume you have Winnipeg at three. And I have BC at three. So there are tiers, and, and, and we are one in lockstep on the tiers. The Argos in their own tier. BC and Winnipeg are in their own tier. That's right. And then there's a golf. Number four. You want to go first? What you got? Number four, I actually went with the very team that you're talking about, playing probably the best football in the CFL right now with the streak and not only stopping the losing streak, but also the winning streak that they kind of went on. And um, just the growth that they've experienced to me is very impressive. And I love it. I'm putting Edmonton at four. I too 
putting Edmonton oh, okay. at four. Okay. Again, take the record out of it and just watch the tape. They've been really good in all phases, much better offensively, uh, as you point out, um, since Jackson has been at the island. Nobody runs the ball better than them. As the weather gets worse and worse, that is going to be more and more important. They recently beat Saskatchewan. They recently beat Calgary. I got them at four. And, and, and you know what else too, DB? It seems like no one really has an answer for Trey Ford. Nope. I mean, you can come up with a game plan, but then you get punched in the mouth and you go, what are we doing? Right? And so that's when you talk about the next tier, Edmonton has to be on top. Who you got at five? Five. Go with the other hot team, Hamilton Tiger Cats. I, too, have the Hamilton Tiger Cats at Talk five. Talk to me. Listen, everyone that was on our production meeting was like, oh, it's so tough. <laughs> You'll see. You've got to do this exercise. You'll really see. Evidently, for me and Enoch, it's not that tough. It's light work. I didn't show you my list. I didn't show you, you didn't mine show either. Yours. Again, Hamilton beat Winnipeg. Uh, recently, uh, you know they, they were closer when they played your Toronto Argonauts. They beat the brakes off of BC uh, recently. So when you look at who's playing the the best football in the month of September, Hamilton is in that conversation. Absolutely, absolutely, they got to be put up there, um, right behind the Edmonton Elks, and uh, they're causing some damage, and also they happen to 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 start right around the time. New offensive coordinator uh, came into the picture, but they are also looking like they're trending in the right direction. Who you got coming in at number six? Number six. I feel like it's the beginning of another tier. Would you say? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Saskatchewan Rough Riders. At number six, I have the Saskatchewan <laughs> Rough Riders. This is not that difficult. Listen, and it is. It is. Less to do about them and more to do about the fact that the teams below them are just that much worse. Saskatchewan, they've been up and down this year. They don't really strike me as being overly great at anything or overly poor at anything. Passing yards per game, fourth. Uh, offensive yards per game, seventh. Defensive yards per game, fifth. They're just in the middle of the pack on everything, which is why they have a six and seven record. And they're third in the West. They are just average. All right. This is becoming a relatively futile exercise, but let's continue it. I feel like we agree as well. Number seven. Third to last has to be Calgary. No. Whoa. Talk to me. I got Montreal at seven. I got Calgary at I did the beat. I went back and forth with those two. Well, again, I think we're talking about tiers, and they're in the same tier. And I have Ottawa, unfortunately, as much as I love Bobby Dice. Man. Ottawa. Dusty, everybody was playing Jane from Dusty Folk. So talk to me while you have Calgary above Montreal. Because I think it's still we are we are seduced by those uniforms and that logo and that there's a Dickinson on the sidelines. But they have not been very good. Very much so, and, and and again, we're talking about this tier, and I feel like those two teams are definitely in that in, in that tier of football um, or, or caliber of football this season at this point in the season at least. And to me, 
right? We're talking about it's not it's not necessarily about they're so much better than the other or this team is much better than the other. Calgary's much better than than the Alouettes, but to me it's just I'm looking at I'm looking at deeper than just football now, and I'm looking at the history, and I'm looking at who's who's at the helm. I'm looking at who's coaching, and just based off of that, I'm gonna have to say with. I believe in Greg Dickinson. I believe in what he's done and what he's capable of doing as well. Um, believe, they haven't figured it out now yet. They haven't in, figured it out. You believe in Dave Dickinson? I, I definitely do believe in Greg, uh, Dave. My bad, Dave Dickinson. Um, you know Huff Nagel and, and that coaching staff over there. And I do believe that they got the talent to make some noise as well down the stretch. Still haven't figured it out yet. But when I look at the Montreal Alouettes again, I mentioned that I alluded to her a little bit earlier. I just don't know what's going on in the locker room. And I don't know as far as the coaching staff. I don't know as far as the culture. I don't know as far as leadership on that team. If there's going to be someone that's going to emerge and take them to the promised land. Here's why I disagree. Montreal, yes, they lost four straight. But they lost four straight to teams that they should lose to. They lost twice to your Toronto Argonauts. They lost to BC. They lost to Winnipeg. Those are the teams in the top tier of the league. Before that, they won four straight. They handled business against the teams that we would expect them to that are below them. That's why I have Montreal. Calgary is up and down against everybody. They somehow beat your Argonauts, and really they got that game because, let's be honest, Chad Kelly was right. hurt. Calgary is has one win in their last five games. Uh, so for me, they are the, the second worst team. And obviously, sadly, Ottawa's at the bottom. But... Let us know if you agree, disagree, where we may have gone astray. But I think the moral of the story is, listen, CFL.ca staff, it's not that hard, okay? It's really not that. This is light work. We agree that Hamilton is moving in the right direction in terms of the power rankings and the actual standings. Big reason why is Tim White, whose career has gone in the right direction since he joined the CFL a couple years ago. We grab a couple minutes with the Ticats undisputed number one wide receiver. So joining us on the Waggle, on the line, we got Tim White. And I, I want to talk about the wave that the team has been on of late, but I want to talk about the wave that you've been on, not of late, but really consistently over the last couple of years, and we've talked about this before, we've had a lot of big receivers leave the program in Hamilton, and you've stepped up and become that number one. Is a little bit different. You're getting jammed off the line a little bit more, getting a little more safety help, you know, some cloud coverages to your side. Do you notice a difference now that you've moved up the progression over the years? Uh, I would say so. You know, there's definitely been uh, more attention towards me. Uh, so, you know, I kind of just look at it like another challenge, like any, like, I feel like any great player would do is try to look for any challenge. So, uh, yeah, it's been, been real interesting. Is it annoying though? Like, do you just want to be like, <laughs> line up right in front of me, me and you man on man, don't get no help. <laughs> no, nah, I really don't mind it. Like I, I look forward to it. You know, I, I find it, uh, like the bigger the challenge, the more obstacle in front of you, it should be better, you know, to, to defeat it. So I look forward to it. You're right. You're right, Tim, man. It's, it's actually a compliment, I would say. If I were a receiver, I would actually say it's a compliment. You're complimenting me because you're telling me 
you need some help. So um, uh, kudos to you. But like DB was saying, man, uh, we have been noticing, the whole league has been noticing the rise uh, uh, of Tim White, especially as a leader. That's what I want to hear from you. What has that been like, your growth as a leader? Because like, like, like DB was talking about, you had some guys that had that, that have been there for years. I'm talking about Speedy and some other guys, whether it's injury or anything uh, as far as transitioning to another team. But now here you stand as the guy. What has that been like and what is the biggest change that you've noticed as a leader, Tim White, the leader? Yeah, I would say, you know, looking at my progression, number one, as uh, becoming in, you know, that position, uh, starting off like my rookie year when I got here, not really knowing what the CFL was or anything like that. I put into my mentality coming up here that I wouldn't have any expectations. You know, I would just come up here and see what it, what's going on. I would try to be the best teammate that I could be uh, and be, be the best player that I can be and develop myself. And then uh, the next year, I feel like my year two, you know, uh, after having a decent, I would say a pretty good like year one, um, I got more targets, you know, I had more failures, you know, a lot more drops, you know, like I had to really, I learned that I had to step my game up to another level, you know, so I went into the offseason with the mentality that everything that I did bad on tape, you know, I want to make it, you know, better and I want to be able to show up on, you know, for my team in those instances. And this year, I just feel like I've developed myself into a, a much better player than I was last year. <clears throat> and I feel like, you know, any any great leader, they lead by example first. They lead with their actions. So I feel like that's the, the number one thing. And then my voice may follow when it's needed. Uh, but, you know, I just look to, to elevate everybody's game, you know, and try to bring everybody up to a high level of playing standards. Well, one of the things that you've had to do in terms of elevating others' games is it's been a constant carousel at quarterback since you've been attacking. Every year, you're getting passes from three different guys throughout the year. And so that's, you know, different cadence, seeing the field differently, uh, you know, certainly throwing the ball differently. Uh, have you had to go to guys and say, hey, listen, just so you know, when I'm even, I'm leaving. Like, you need to give me a chance. Uh, what's that been like getting the trust of the different QBs you played with? Yeah, no question. I mean, some guys, they do really well. Like, they understand what their weapons are on the field. So, you know, they understand, like, okay, like, if I'm going to be in, in at quarterback, like, most likely I'm going to have to get this guy the ball. And then others, you know, it, it might take them a while to understand, like, okay, like, no, like, the plays aren't happening. It's not going. And then I get this guy the ball, you know, and something happens after the play. They're like, okay, like, they start to gain that trust. It, sometimes it takes a while. But for the most part, I let them go through their progression because I know they're listening to an OC. So I'll just sit there and, you know, when the ball gets there, they'll they'll feel my energy and they'll know. Tim. That's a nice way to say it. They'll feel my energy. They'll feel, they'll feel energy. my energy. Listen. They'll, I, they'll be like, listen, I'm Hemothy. I'm telling you once. Don't make me tell you twice. I was open on the backside curl. I've been on the field with you. And uh, you know what I love yeah. about your game? And, and, and I have a lot of respect for it. I don't say that to a lot of tie cats at all so i believe completely blue so i got a lot of respect for your game and i've been on the field with you you got a different work ethic you i mean you go hard you you know you do your work you get up you don't talk too much and you do it again and you i've seen you smiling a bunch of times as well where does that work ethic comes from where does it come from um, I would say, you know, just God, like my faith, like understanding that I'm gonna have another opportunity and just being blessed to be out there on the field. And then, you know, obviously trying to get my team going and understanding that it's, you know, it's, 
is life out there on the field. Like we're playing the game, you know, so we have to understand that, like, although it is very serious that, you know, these guys have to go, you know, home at the end of the day. So, you know, just try to go out there. I understand my ability and my, my God-given ability. So I just know it's going to come out on the field and there's nothing else that needs to be done after that. One of the other adjustments for you now is a new play caller, new offensive coordinator and Scott Milanovic, who for me sees the game a bit differently and tries to use the width of the field and not just the length of the field. Uh, how has the adjustment been to his play calling, his tendencies, his schemes, and how has he tried to utilize you and get you in space? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to give away too many keys, you know, especially this week. But, uh, <laughs> no, honestly, I've noticed it, like, the change immediately, you know, and I feel like he calls – the way that he calls the game is the way that players see it, you know, and they, they are able to capitalize on the situations that he puts us in. So it's like, you know, we go through our game plan and then he calls the play. It's like you're in that moment where it's like where you look at that film with the team that you're going against, you're looking at your opponent – and then you're looking at the situation and then he calls that play. You're like, this is exactly how I pictured it, you know, when I was watching film at home. And now it's just, you just have to put it, you know, from paper onto the field. One of, one of your, one of your, your, your coaches, strength and conditioning coach, Marcellus Boom, he, he reached out to me. I was talking, I'm like, hey, look, I'm going to have a conversation with Tim White, man. What should I ask him? He said something about the fact that you will never get sore after any game. Like, what, what's <laughs> that about? Does it have anything to do with, your, you know, what you used to do prior to and, and the level of skill that you have when it comes to uh, triple jump as well. Like, where, where does that come from? Yeah, I think, I think you know, that's one of the biggest things is uh, having the track background is you understand how to pace yourself, you know, when you're running, you understand how to take hits and stuff like that. So, you know, like throughout the game, like I might take a couple of hits or whatever, but I know how to pace myself throughout the game to where um you know, I have like just a bag of energy, you can say, where I can release it or I could just have it sitting and waiting, you know. So I just feel like I pace myself well throughout the season. And what I do in the off season is is way, I feel like it's way harder, you know, than actually being out there on the, you know, on the field during game time. So it's got that speed endurance, the long speed. Uh, yeah. the, the team has paced themselves and we're slow out the blocks, but now we're, we're seeing you in drive phase hoping to close it. What is the vibe with the team now knowing you're starting to put some good tape out there week after week after week uh, and, and challenging, you know, the best teams in the league? Yeah. I mean, I would definitely say like in order to beat the best, to be the best, you have to beat the best. And, uh, you know, we had opportunities early on and we didn't capitalize, but right now I feel like the vibe is like, is we're looking for any challenge and we want to win and we want to win now and we're just going out there and playing the best we could. Talk to me, Tim, about um, perhaps when you talk about beating the best and being the best, you have to establish your identity. And you who have, you know, who has emerged as one of the leaders in, in Hamilton over there, I think obviously if they, they follow with your identity, it'll be a good way for you guys to go. Talk to me about your upbringing and how that was able to um, solidify the type of person that you are today and, you know, the leader that you are for this team. Yeah, I mean, you know, like you grow up, I grew up, number one, with the, I would say a close-knit family, but a very large family, you know, seven sisters, one brother. 
uh, both my parents. And, uh, you know, throughout that process, we've had adversity um, where we were homeless and, you know, things like that. But uh, we stayed tight. We stayed close. So I would say throughout that process is, it's kind of how it is being a tight cat. You know, it's when we face adversity, you know, there are hard times, but we just stay together. And I feel like it shows late in the season exactly how we are. And I just try to bring, you know, my experiences through that process growing up and just relate it to whenever we face obstacles on the field. You know, I think people take, take uh, uh, they take for granted what it's like to have a home, to call a place home, and to go to a place where you feel safe and secure uh, in your football life right now, Hamilton is home. What's it like being a part of the city, part of the community, uh, and, and being a Ticat in the Hammer? Yeah, it's great. You know, I've had a great experience here so far, you know, my first three years here. Uh, you know, I remember last year, my first two years up here, actually, I was living right by the stadium and, you know, fans would leave like notes on the door, you know, after games and stuff like that. So it's just very close knit, you know, it's, it's a great community. And, um, you know, it's just, it's a great place to be, I would say. Man, listen, Tim, um, we are appreciate really the well, time that you've given us. Well, wait, 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 wait. You got wait, one wait. more, you got one no, more. No, 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 because we're not gonna let slide because <laughs> you know what, Tim, you said, you know, in order to to, to be the best, you gotta beat the best. Ooh. And the Argos right, right now... He, he's have, always going to take it there, by the way. Well, I'm, go ahead. I'm just asking questions. That's go what they ahead. pay me to do. The Argos right now have the best record in the East. And yeah. in, I'm sure you heard, they locked up uh, home field throughout the playoffs. And yeah. I asked Enoch on this very podcast who he wants to see yes. in the Eastern Conference Final. He said he wants to see the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So oh, I, I just want to hear your reaction to it. That's how, that's how it should be. You know, you should want... You should want the best out there and uh, the Ticats. Obviously, you know how it is when we bring it and you want to play against a rivalry team during that process, you know, it, it'll catapult you really to a championship. So, I mean, you should want that. Well, talk your talk, Tim. I can't wait. Speak go. on it. So, the, the, the Argos want the Ticats and it sounds like the Ticats want the Argos. So, we'll, we'll, yeah. we shall see in November. Yep, yep. <laughs> Well, uh, uh, all the best. Much success between now uh, and November. You know, as we said, the team uh, has been on a steady rise, which matches what you've done in the league. So uh, continued success. Yes, thank you. I appreciate you guys for having me. So shout out to Tim White. Thanks for joining. As you heard, maybe a preview of the Eastern Conference Final might be Hamilton and Toronto, and both sides would love that. We're going to get a little bit of a taste to end Week 16, but why don't we start with a game with two teams at the, closer to the bottom of our power rankings. That would be Saskatchewan going to Ottawa Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern. The line early is 2.5 points for the Riders. Both teams desperate for a win Saskatchewan definitely needs to get a W because the West has been pretty, pretty wild right now. A Saskatchewan loss and a BC loss means the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, like your Argonauts, secure a home playoff game. So Bombers fans will be watching this one as well. There's also implications when you look at the second game of this week. BC at Edmonton, Friday, 9.30 p.m. Eastern. The spread is 8.5 for BC. I think that's too much given how well 
the Elks have played. But if you agree or disagree, there's one way to actually put that into action. And that's CFL Pick'em, because this is the CFL Pick'em presented by Old Dutch Marquee Matchup. If you're not already playing Pick'em, head to gamezone.cfl.ca. Two dots. Both quarterbacks can be throwing dots all over the place. Make your weekly picks. And again, playoff implications. If With Winnipeg losing last week and Winnipeg on a bye this week, so Blue Bombers fans, you have another game to watch. BC is only now one game behind Winnipeg for first in the West. BC clinches a playoff spot with a win or a Calgary loss. Edmund currently tied with Calgary and one game back of Saskatchewan, who are currently third in the West. So we could see this game have huge implications on what the West standings look like. But forget about standings. Let's talk about the number, eight and a half points. Is that line disrespectful to Edmonton? I think it is. I absolutely think it is. We just talked about it. The Edmonton Elves right now are playing the best football in the league. They're hot. They're probably the hottest team in the league right now. To put them, to put that line right now against, come on. Listen, the BC Lions are good, but they have been, they've had their ups and they've had their downs. This is going to be a huge challenge for that really, really good BC team. And after this game, we're going to really see what they're about. Remember, the Lions needed a furious comeback last week to get a W. If they don't get that W, I wonder if this line is much closer, probably closer to what we see in the third game of the week. And that's Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern. Montreal, two-and-a-half-point favorites over Calgary in a game in Calgary. So, again, some disrespect to our teams in Alberta. But speaking of teams needing a win, we juggle them back and forth in terms of who is the second-worst team. This game will let us know. This game will let us know and be a litmus test. Hopefully Montreal a little bit more healthy. Uh, They're expecting to hopefully have stand-back back who missed last week with a hand injury. Uh, Kadeem Carey, another great back, uh, who's missed time this year as well, could be playing a role. Montreal will need to establish the run, if for no other reason than to get some heat off their quarterback, Cody Fajardo. The most sacks allowed in the league is Montreal at 50. That's a lot. And the fewest sacks, four, even though they brought in your boy Sean Lemon at 21. So we'll see if they can change those numbers in the right direction. Calgary, a team that often looks to stop the run on the way to the quarterback. Uh, how do you see this matchup playing out, given that Stanback could be back in the lineup, giving Montreal a bit more of a run threat? They're going to have to do just that if Stanback is able to be back out there, because it seems like without him over there, that running game is pretty much virtually non existent. And so neutralize the running game and make Fajardo be one-dimensional, I think is the biggest uh, is going to be the biggest thing for them in order to be able to, uh, to succeed in that game. Because again, whenever they don't have a running game, because Fajardo, all he has to do is drop back and back. He is a sitting duck out there and the proof is in the pudding. 50 times he had to get up from his uh, on his back and uh, it is not a pretty sight at all. That's not QB hits. That's sacks. That's right. At 50. And we still have... Uh, a month left in the season. Hamilton at Toronto. Can the Ticats play Giant Slayer once again Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern? 
the Argos are nine and a half point favorites. And uh, I'm actually looking. I know you want to go one and zero every week. That's right. And get two percent better every week. And we have three goals. And what what are the first goal? Mm-hmm. Is to get into playoffs. Done. Done. Second goal, win the Eastern Conference. Done. Be in the part at the game. Done. And the third goal, is a great cup. All right. Well, we, we have a so while. One to and zero. Oh. Two percent, three goals. Okay, get it right, DB. One and oh, two percent, three goals. I got it. One, two, three. We have a while to see if you can actually cash in on that third piece and that third goal. In the next two weeks, to me, are going to be telling. You got your rivals in Hamilton this week. Next week, Winnipeg with a Grey Cup rematch and a potential Grey Cup preview. There's aspects of this as competitors. You don't want to lose any of that dominance That's right. over someone you are going to face later in the year, whether it's a physical edge or a mental edge. But again, you have the right to rest. Emotionally, do you think it's going to be difficult to get up for these games? I, I think it would for any other team, but I I have so much confidence in this locker room and the guys in, all, in, in, in our locker room. And I see it. I'm not just saying it blindly, DB. This is coming from the conversations that I've had with multiple guys that I have been saying, you will need to sit. But these guys are saying, no, I'm playing. You know, like I'm healthy. I am playing. And so, um, uh, so just starting from that, and I think the coaching staff has done a really good job of finding ways to get us to focus on – other things than just the win itself. I mean, it's not hard to motivate a, a, a Toronto Argonaut player to play against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. If it's not for yourself only or the front office and your coaching staff and your teammates, we want to do that and win that game for our fans as well. And so those are one of the games that we always circle and we want to play. For. And then on top of that, it's going to be the only time we get to play Winnipeg unless it's going to be in, in the Grey Cup again this year. But this is these are two games that are not too difficult to kind of be motivated for. Well, part of the motivation will be, you know, putting the resume out there, and this will be used against you, whether you like it or not, because the two respective quarterbacks are probably the leaders in the clubhouse for most outstanding player. So you want to play well in that head-to-head matchup. You want to continue to have a good record, and you want to outplay the other guy. Let's go through our two early waggle edition of the cfl awards let's start with m o p your choice is whom come on man you're gonna ask me that question you know very well i'm going with my guy aj Ouellette. that's not nope not at all no you're very close though i thought you're very close i thought you're very close okay but i'm going with the guy at the helm chad kelly which surprisingly enough, hasn't had a dog of the week. And everybody says, you know, kids being biased and all that. He hasn't had a dog of the week. But I love his progression. I love his growth and his maturity process that he's been experiencing throughout the course of this season. I mean, DB, we just went through probably what the most valuable game that we've played this season last week. When we went to Montreal, I think it was great to get the W. You go out there, you get a W. But the most important thing out of that game wasn't just the win to me, DB. It was the way that we won that game. The adversity that we had to overcome. And in a game that Chad himself didn't necessarily start too well. He wasn't playing his best football. He he even told me this. I shared this with him 
on the flight in Club Dub. I said, Chad, that was one of your best games. He said, what are you talking about? Enoch? And I shared with him exactly what I'm telling you right now. The manner in which we won that game in a game where I wanted to see. I needed to see Chad Kelly play bad and really get himself out of a bad game. And he did just that and was able to rally the troops and bring the team back and give us an opportunity to win. And obviously leaving in, in I was about to say it has, but in the foot of Boris Beattie and obviously made it count for us. But Chad Kelly, to me, right now is a front runner. Run away for MOP. Yeah, no, he's not running away with anything. <laughs> uh, because AJ like could be in that conversation with all of his angry runs. But let's just look at the numbers. Zach Laros has put up better stats, not only arguably than what he did a year ago when he won the award, but what Chad Kelly, more importantly, is doing right now. Take a wild guess who the leader in the league in passing yards is. I'll tell you who it's not. Who is it not? Chad Kelly. That's fine. But who is leading the league in record? <laughs> Which matters even more. That's a team award. We're talking about the most outstanding player. And it stems not from the most, most outstanding collection outstanding of players. Player. Zach Caleros, uh, since you did not ask, is leading the league in passing yards. Take a wild guess who's leading the league in passing TDs. Tell you who it isn't. Who is it? It's not Chad Kelly. It is Zach Caleros, who has a cool 10 more passing TDs than Chad Kelly. And how many times do those touchdowns help him win games? But you can keep going. I mean, I think touchdowns always help you win games. Not enough, evidently, this year. I mean, so, someone has a defense that, that scores quite often in, in Chad Kelly, so that helps. Uh, tell me who, in terms of qualified starters, who leads the league in QB rating. I'll tell you who it's not. Who is it? It is Zach Caleros. In terms of playing the QB position, no leadership not intangibles, just being the best, essentially, offensive player who touches the ball every snap, because that's essentially what this award has become, unless you're Speedy B. It has been Zach Kalaris. And I'll ask you one more question. Talk to me. That uh, I expect an honest answer. You talk about the record all mm -hmm. the time. 11 and That's one. what matters. It, oh, oh, it does. If you were to take... Zach Caleros, pick him up, move him to Toronto, past his house in Newmarket, just north of Toronto, and drop him in the Argos locker room and said, you were the starter for the rest of the year. And you took Chad Kelly and you moved him to Winnipeg and dropped him in the Bombers locker room and said, you are their starter for the rest of the year. Are the Argos worse? Uh, look, look, you're talking about some 1A, 1B. No. I don't think they're worse. I, just I don't think, think, I don't I think the Winnipeg Bombers are worse either. I just need a I yes actually think or a no. I'm going to give you this is what they pay me for. So to give you we Well, I asked I asked producer Pete about a, a fantasy football trade. Okay. And the rest of the league can reject it or accept it to make sure the trade is fair. If that trade happened in the CFL and the rest of the CFL owners, GMs, could accept it or reject it. They would reject it because they would fear that the Argonauts, who are already the best team in the league, just got better. Maybe not in the long term because Chad Kelly has more term on his contract, but in a short sample size, Zach Caleros still gives a team the best chance to win. And, and for that very reason, I would even think, DB, that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers 
would gladly make that trade. They would be willing to do that just because of the simple fact that I do believe that if Chad Kelly goes to Winnipeg, he is going to have an impact on that team. We rejuvenate that team and really extend their reign as well. So not only good for now, but for the future as no, well. No, but that's not the that's not the you missed the point of the exercise. That's not You're the, talking about the impact that each no, other would have on on the other team. You're talking about the most outstanding asset. And that would be Chad Kelly and his contract at his age. The most outstanding player thus far in the 2023 CFL season has been Zach Kleros. Now, have some things broken down around him so that they didn't have the same amount of team success? Is, again, his team bored? Yes. But is Zach Kleros still the best player in the league? Yes. And one more thing. I'm not going to allow us to do to Zach Claros, what we've done to LeBron James and Michael Jordan, where we just get bored of the greatness. And so we say, oh, we don't want to give them an individual award. We've seen them win it again. So we need a new narrative. We need to new somebody else. No. Zach Claros is one of the greatest of all time. He is still the greatest in this time. Give this man his flowers. I mean, look, nobody's taking anything away from Zach Claros. I mean, you're taking his MOP away. I'm taking that MOP away because he doesn't deserve it this particular year. He's definitely deserving over the years. So what does he need to do? More passing yards, more passing TDs, better QB rating. What is what is what else does he need to do? He needs to do backflips. No, when he throws, I just need you to remain at the same level that you've been playing. When we're talking about greatness, so consistency no, is no, extremely no. important. You're penalizing no, 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 him. No, 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 no. You're no, no. penalizing him against himself. When Steph Curry wins unanimous MVP, that if he's good the next year, but not at that level, if he's still the MVP, he's still the MVP. Zach Kolaris is still the MOP. He's also the MVP, Steph Curry, Zach Kolaris, or Chad Kelly, because he allows his team to play at that very level. He allows his team to be at the top of the top. You don't just become the best, the, the MOP, because you're the best player on the worst team. He's not. And on the, nothing to say about Winnipeg. I don't think they're, they're he, the worst team. He's not on the worst team. He's, you're acting like this man is in sixth or seventh or eighth. They're, they're in second. They're in second. I'm going to ask you one last question. I don't think you asked me a question. I'm asking you all the questions. The t- just one. Between the two. Yes. Who has thrown the most interceptions? In your opinion. It's not an opinion. It's a fact. Uh, Zach Claris has thrown more interceptions. That's correct. You've, I'm sure you looked at that, but you didn't he's, want to use that, did you? Well, he's also, it's a larger sample size. He's thrown the ball more. Oh, my and, goodness. And, and he's also pushed the ball down the field more. That, but Zach Claris has sent 13 interceptions compared to nine for Chad Kelly. He's making fewer mistakes, thus allowing his team to win more. And that's the bottom line. That's what matters the most. You say this all the time, DB. You're here to win and win now. I don't want my guy at the helm, my MOP, to make as many mistakes as Zach Lawrence has made this year. Still a good player. A couple things. One is that interception number is trending up for Chad Kelly. Two, congratulations. You haven't thrown interceptions on the bare wide receiver shuttle screens and running back satellite motion pop passes that's not that his count fault. as passes. That's not his fault. He's executing the plays that are being called. It's uh, plays where it's that's almost... Not, look, you're it, not going to punish Chad Kelly because play, uh, uh, Ryan Dinwiddie is calling these plays. I'm not going to punish him, but I'm not going to congratulate him either. Plays where it's almost impossible to throw an interception, hence why they're called. Listen, I think it's smart. You're no, protecting no, no, a no, young no, no, QB no, do from don't himself. Do Bruce, Pete, next week... 
We're going to start breaking plays down because I saw not just some bad, not just some bad. I saw Zach Kolaris made some bad decisions on some throws. So it's not just about the play call itself. I saw him make some bad decisions as well. And so when I'm looking at these two guys and I'm looking at them MLP, especially when it comes from to when we're talking about oranges and oranges, quarterback and quarterback, I'm looking at who's making the fewer mistakes. Sure. There's even some notes that Beyonce doesn't hit. But she's still the one. <laughs> That's very right? rare. That is very rare. It is very rare. Ask everybody who went to her concerts. I didn't go to it, but you can ask. Most outstanding Canadian. And then we got a lot of good options. Dude, we really do. I think this one's clear. Brady Oliveira, who also could be in the conversation for MOP and MOC, if we're being honest. But his quarterback is just too good. We've got Betts as well. Trey Ford. Who's the most outstanding Canadian for you? It's a tough one. It's not that tough. Though. It's it's it is tough. Mm. I I love Brady Oliver. I think he's doing an amazing job. Oh, out there. and also my mistake. Andy nine, Andy ten. Nick Dembski. Nick Dembski. I can't be he's like Enoch and not give him respect. He's got to be Nick up Dembski. there. But when if if you got to pick one of the two, I feel like this particular season Brady Oliver has to be the representative for most outstanding Canadian. I'll start with that, and I love my man Andy ten. But Brady Oliveira is a representative from the Robert Wolverines, and now to me it's between him and Matthew Betts, who I think started extremely strong, cooled off a little bit, but I had some conversations with him, and, I, and I'm excited exactly where he's going to take it because he's extremely, extremely happy about where he's at and where he's going and where he's leading this team. And so, obviously, as a defensive guy. The reason why I'm picking Matthew Betts is because it's so much easier to neutralize. I mean, the offenses are turning protection to him, double teaming him, chipping him every time. And so it's natural and normal for a guy who started the way that he did and got so much attention that the offenses continue to double, triple team him on multiple plays. Watch the film, you'll see it. And so for that very reason, I like Matthew Betts. I like Matthew Betts as well. Early in the year was on pace to challenge uh, the Canadian record for Sachs, to your point, he's seeing some chips. He's seeing some double teams. He's seeing slide protection to his side as a Canadian rushing the passer. He is Brent Johnson reincarnated. However, however, it's Trey Ford, and it's not close. Wow. Trey Ford, Trey Ford saved the season. He saved a f- marketing campaign. He has saved jobs. Trey Ford has given the Elks a new lease on life. We were talking about them potentially not winning any games. That's right. Now we're talking about them making the playoffs and winning a playoff game. All of that changed because they changed the quarterback. I think Trey Ford it is, whether we like it or not, the most important position, not in this sport, in all of sports. Fair. He has played it at a high level. Forget about... Canadian, how many quarterbacks, period, have played better than Trey Ford when he's played? The two we just mentioned, Zach Claros and Chad Kelly, Vernon Adams Jr. went healthy. That's it. That's the list. So he is making his way up the QB list, never mind, and he's a Canadian. Trey Ford is winning most outstanding Canadian back-to-back years. A Canadian QB will win most outstanding Canadian, not far from a time 
when a Canadian QB couldn't find a job. Oh, and by the way, this Canadian QB groomed and trained in Canada playing youth sports football. Great story. Great dude. The award is Trey Ford's to lose. Not to take anything away from Trey Ford, except for the MLC award. When someone says not to, (laughs) that lets you know they're about to. To me, the only thing I have, and, and look, Everything that you said about Trey is absolutely on point. I mean, he's completely changed the atmosphere in uh, Edmonton. You walk in there, now you want to go to work. Now you're expecting to win, regardless of what the score is. The only thing that I would have a knock on Trey for right now, if we're talking about MOC, sample size, DB. Sample size. I want to see you do it for longer than just the amount of time, the amount of games that he's played so far. And... If he had began the season and started the turnaround for that team at the beginning of the season and still keeping them where they are right now, they'd probably be higher in the standings, possibly, likely. But to me, right now, it's a little bit too soon to give him an MOC. If the season ended today, I don't know. Well, the season doesn't end today. That's right. assuming that he finishes the rest of the season. And we have a comp because historically, in recent memory, Voters have not penalized players who are down due to injury. Want to know how I know? Because you know who won it last year? Nathan Rourke, who spent much of the regular season in a walking boot. Trey Ford and Nathan Rourke are two different beasts. I'll tell you that. And Nathan Rourke not only caught the league by a storm, I tr- he started the season all the way to his injury and then came back to even, you know, give a little bit push in a little push in the, in, in the playoffs. But to me, he still had a larger sample size than Trey Ford. Like I said, if Trey Ford continues, he is seriously uh, one of the guys that has to be considered for MOC. But as of right now, I just haven't seen enough games. And not even enough skills and a good enough performance. It's just the amount of games that he's played this season. The value of the position says, I don't need to see much more. (laughs) But we want to know from you. What do you think? And also, we want to know from you. What do you want to see on this very podcast? Because we do it for you. I'll tell you what you're going to hear and see next week. Because we are going to chat with Bear Witness and Tim Toolman Hill of Hallucination as they prepare to play halftime at the Lions game in honor of National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. September 30th in this country, Civic Holiday. It happens to fall on Saturday this year so there will be some cfl football but the stat holiday moves forward to the previous week either way make sure you are listening and learning and reflecting we will do that on this very podcast it'll be a great chance for us to catch up with them find out about cultural representation in sports and music and culture in the modern day so make sure to tune in to that one and also make sure to tune into the games this week as we mentioned we've got a bunch of good ones before you do that though make sure to subscribe We're on YouTube with podcast clips, and you can listen to the entire podcast on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening right now, and share with a friend. I mean, you liked it so much that you listened to the end, so the least you can do is share with a friend. Five stars, leave a review. If not, producer Pete gets fired. I really like my job, guys. (laughs) 